Episode 282 of the Better On Draft Podcast is brought to you by Zatuna Liquor in Rochester Hills, just south of M59 on Rochester Road. Everything you need from wine, alcohol, beer, snacks, anything, that's what they do. That's what they specialize in. And North Center Brewing over in Northville, Michigan, just south of Baseline Road on North Center Street. Go check them out. Grab some of their amazing beers. Challenge the owner and shuffleboard and enjoy your time there. Follow us on all of our social medias. That's Better On Draft on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. You can friend us on Untapped and see what we were drinking during the show, Bod Podcast. And, of course, you can listen to us live 7 p.m. Eastern every Friday night at twitch.tv forward slash bod podcast, facebook.com forward slash betterondraft, and just betterondraft.tv. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate you and all the things that you do for us, and we will be back next week. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody. Episode 282, Better on Draft Podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Folks, if you're listening via the podcast, check us out live Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. We got plenty of guests upcoming, including our guest here today. Before we introduce him, let's go around and see what everybody is drinking, starting with Rob. Rob, what do you got? Uh, right now, I have got a well, two-handed. I've got a, a glass of Great Lakes Brewing's Crushworthy Locale Citrus Wheat. Uh, and also, because apparently everybody is Irish on St. Patrick's Day yesterday, uh, Great Lakes Brewing's Conway's Irish Ale. Conway's Irish Ale? Is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so. Yeah, Andrew, sure. what, are you, what are you drinking? <laughs> I got, I'm double fisting over here. I've got a white Russian from Sunup. Can't believe I just said that, by the way. That's kind of funny. And then the only <laughs> Great Lakes beer you can find in Arizona right now, apparently, is Crushworthy. Whoa, there's still Crushworthy out there. How about it, that? It, it's on fire sale for three ninety nine a six pack. So yeah. Yep. That code date's coming up. For uh <laughs> for myself, I've got some Santa Claus Taylor, the holiday brew, non-alcoholic. Uh still enjoying the NA beers for right now. Uh but our guest all the way from the uh I was gonna say great but not so great state of Ohio. Uh um, yes. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us uh, who, where you work and what you do? Sure thing. So Mike Williams, I work at a uh, great lakes brewing out of beautiful Cleveland, uh, sitting in front of my Cleveland right there. And then wonderful state of Ohio. Sorry guys. I know you're a Michigan podcast, but I just had to try out the new setup for this one. It's just coincidental. Um, I have been at the brewery for a decade now, started in our pub as a busser and um, was looking to teach. Eventually started serving, talking to tables, really liked the interaction with, with customers there. Then I was able to start giving tours of the brewery a couple of years later. And that really scratched that educational itch for me. Um, I had an opportunity to move into marketing and take over all of our beer education efforts. So whether that's new staff members who are coming in, business partners like the our uh, retailers and our distributors. And then uh, one of my favorite things to do is stuff like this, hopping on podcasts, talking with guys like you, um, doing live tastings on our own social feeds, offering uh, full in-depth classes out of the brewery, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do, I run our Cicerone pro- program internally 
Um, so I have level two uh, certified myself. Crazy enough, I signed up for level three. So send me some good vibes, guys. I got a lot of studying to do over the next uh, nine months or so. So that's well, me. Boy. Let's talk about that first, because I think what's very important for both craft beer bars and breweries is a knowledgeable staff. I don't want my the the staff, the you know, the waiter, waitress to love every single beer, but I want them to understand the beers that they're selling. How do you um, address such a large? Because your brewery is huge; it's two stories, yeah. um, you know, giant patio out in Cleveland. Um, obviously, you're selling off premise as well. How do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, manage all of that staff and making sure they understand what they're selling. Yeah. And it's something that's extremely important for us um, at the brewery. We just went through the process after fits and starts of trying this over the past two years. So we finally just got our staff to their certified beer server for the Cicerone program. Um, So everyone in front of house is getting that certification. So they're going to be at a certain level of beer knowledge. Um, I offer consistent like trainings on our beers, the styles behind them, um, stories behind them as well. So like the Conways that Rob has, uh, that's um, the the owners, the co-owners, grandfather, um, stuff like that, uh, sensory, all that kind of stuff. That's a big part of my job and what I do. And it's huge for all of our staff, especially because we're an employee owned company. So like having everybody at a high level of beer knowledge is huge. But you're right. It's totally it's essential for um, our partners out there in the field, too. So, you know, we're in we're in 14 states in D.C. I can't go around everywhere, but like especially here in Cleveland, um, we'll bring in, you know, the airport pub. So we don't own that. We have one of those like um, co-branded pubs in the Cleveland airport. That's not our staff directly. It's technically like one of our accounts. So. We've got them coming in to the brewery next week to get some training with me and our field quality guy. Um, our sales reps will, you know, um, depending on what kind, what kind of place it is, you know, they'll they'll bring in their accounts here as well. They're also awesome. Our sales reps are very knowledgeable about beer overall, um, so they do a lot of great training on their own as well. So it's great to have kind of that full team effort in bringing beer knowledge to everybody. Um, yeah, does that kind of answer the question? For sure. What yes. is, you know, some of the the more important things that you you hammer home with a lot of these staff members to make sure that they understand um, as you are teaching them so that they can feel confident explaining a beer to a customer? Yeah, you know, simplicity is as as much of a nerd as I am. Uh, you know, I can go deep dives into attenuation, and uh, I don't know. I don't like talking about the draft system stuff quite as much, but I can do that as well. Um, I think simplicity is something that's really important for beer education. So like you can get as complex as you want. And I, and I offer those for those staff members and, and people in the public too, who wanted those deep dives. But in the end, like, you know, most people out there drinking beer are looking to have fun, enjoy something that tastes good. Uh, and just hitting those salient points of like, okay, so I've got our Tropicoastal right now, Tropicoastal, Tropical IPA. And uh, it's an American IPA. Um, I use BJCP, you know, Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines as, as a reference point for what beers are supposed to taste like. So I'll pull some notes from that, just some quick hits on aroma, flavor, um, 
what do American hops, what are they supposed to taste like, right? Grapefruit, citrus, stone fruit, tropical fruit for the more modern stuff. For our beers in particular, we do have that storytelling element behind things as, as well, right? So for our staff in particular, when especially for people coming into the pub, having those stories is really important. But it's really just drilling home those basic um, aspects of beer flavor and aroma, maybe a little bit of the history. So, you know, knowing that IPAs came from England originally and were brewed for export to, to India, that whole kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think. And repetition, that's the other thing. <laughs> um, we have queue times, you know, before each shift. So I'll go down to the queue times on Friday and just do a quick, like, two, three-minute thing with staff so that they can constantly keep hearing those. Okay, you know, an American IPA is got, it's going to have tons of aroma, moderate bitterness, that kind of thing. And once that all sets in, incentives are also huge, too. Um if you participate in any of our like internal um, beer education stuff, you get like, you know, points towards your, um, we call it, it's called you earned it. It's one of those like reward systems. So you did a good thing, redeem points. I can get a gift card later. So put all that together. And um, it's really motivating for like our staff to, to learn. Yeah. Now, I guess uh, in talking about, you know, having to describe these beers, I wonder if you can give us a description of this Crushworthy as I am sipping here, because I am really enjoying this, uh, this citrus wheat, which it's definitely giving me, like, I feel like I'm getting more of the orange than the lemon, but just as I say that, it feels like the lemon just suddenly <laughs> just came out of nowhere like a damn starburst. There you go. I like that. <laughs> it is kind of, it's got a little starburst vibe going on. <laughs> um, yeah, so Crushworthy, that's, um, a lot of these beers, like the Tropicoso I'm sipping on, Crushworthy that you're sipping on, these are relatively new beers for us. So we've done a ton of innovation over the past, like two, three years, just, just as the industry has moved so quickly. Right. And this, this one in particular, like when I'm teaching, when I bring in new staff, I love for my guided tasting for Great Lakes, like key beers. I always start with, with the Dortmunder. Dormant Gold. For you guys up there, it's not as big a beer, but for us in Cleveland, you know, that's like our pale lager that um, since 1988, that's like almost everyone's gateway beer into craft beer. So I started with Dortmunder and it's a classic style, right? Dortmund, Germany, um, in the northwest part of the country. It's 150 year old style. And then the next beer I do is Crushworthy and it's like, there's no BJCP category for this guy, right? A locale wheat. Um, that's just a beer that is kind of responding to what a lot of people are telling us that they want, right? So it's got the low calorie thing for the, the health and wellness trends. We were talking a little bit about NA before this. Um, so we want to give somebody, you know, who's maybe more active lifestyle, that low calorie option. Um, I think a lot of I'm 34. The metabolism is not as good as it once was, right? So it's nice for me to have a low calorie option here and there. Um, Weed super refreshing, but the fruit is the biggest part, and that's what you were um, you were hitting on. So the key yeah, with this, it, it, no, no, go, go for it. Okay, no, I was just saying, it's like yeah, you're, I was just agreeing that yeah, the fruit definitely um, it definitely kicks in. It's like you get your your natural kind of your your wheat 
flavors from the beer and just as you kind of settle in and kind of feel like oh you're just drinking this regular wheat beer suddenly the fruit kicks in and it's like oh hey here comes the citrus flavor this i can enjoy this and that's a really good insight right there so when we have the you know we have the privilege of tasting like the early test batches and stuff and like that first can run that comes off the can line and uh, i remember popping this one and sipping it first couple of sips, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really getting it. You know, it's supposed to be a citrus weed. It's supposed to be, obviously you can tell it's a wheat beer, but it's like leading with those citrus notes. But then I drank the whole can. And as you continue to sip, that natural citrus flavor starts to build up on the palate. And that's, that's kind of what you were describing right there. Um, I, I got, I get the fermentative character a little bit first, like a little bit of the, the phenols from, mm-hmm. from the yeast. But then about halfway through the can, it's got that really nice build of um, natural, natural citrus too. So like, I feel it a little bit on the, on the sides, right? So a fruit, real fruit has a little bit of natural like tartness to it. So yeah, it's yeah. designed to be a sessionable beer. It's 4%. It's a crusher. So like, it makes sense that that, that flavor doesn't like punch you in the face right away, right? It builds up as you drink the beer. Right, right. Uh, real quick, I do have some other questions, but real quick, obviously, Nick has just joined us. Uh, Nick, how's it going? What you drinking over there? Uh, happy Friday. Um, I'm starting off in Don't my... sound so depressed, Nick. I know, right? <laughs> it's been a long oh, week. Happy Friday, like guys. Oh. Happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday. Uh, in my cheers glass from Boston, um, I got the Hinterland... Packerland Pilsner from Green Bay Brewing, and I'm letting this warm up a little bit. My 2019 Modern Times Coffee Flying Buffalo. Ooh, Ooh damn nice. good one. Damn I should have brought one. some whales, guys. I didn't know we were popping whales. Come on. <laughs> well, 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 there's, the, there's the unwritten rule on this show. Nothing below 10%. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's not giving that memo. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm going to blame it. I'm going to the cellar. I'm going to the cellar. He <laughs> says as I'm drinking an actual zero. My job is to bring the average ABV down for everyone else. Yeah. So <laughs> I drink the zero zeros. Nick drinks the 12 twos. And it's really just, you know, a 6.1 average. That's yeah. true. Hey, that's not bad. All right. Um, so uh, one of the things that you you had mentioned we were, we were talking about Crushworthy is that there's no category for this. And obviously with um, the rules for this year that it was mentioned uh, in the news that there were going to be no new categories this year. Obviously, with making a beer like this, it would feel like you would want this to be a category going forward. Sure. Is that, you know, that kind of the feeling? Are you talking about like from a like a BJCP or like Brewers Association? From a approach? from a BJ yeah, from yeah. from I guess from from either approach, but but yeah. yeah, the like the big, you know, the the big competitions, you know, oh, okay. loving would liking to see some like a category being put out there for this style because it seems yeah. to me like you know, locale is being one of the things that has kind of come into the fold with NA, with seltzers, uh, and now with locale, because, you know, people are being concerned with drinking a beer that while it's, you know, it's great and it's barrel aged and it's 12%, that their 16 ounces is coming up to about 500 calories. Yeah. 
<laughs> I hate I hate logging those in the calorie counter. It does not make me feel good. <laughs> Still trying to lose that COVID COVID lockdown weight two years later. So yes. yeah, I mean, like there's so yeah. I was thinking from with my educator hat um, with regards to like the BJCP stuff, but like if you're thinking about from the sales side, right? There is um, there's that general we we talk about it, and a lot of other industry will say it's like the better for you category, right? You can't say it's good for you. Um, we have some murky waters in our industry's history with purported uh, health benefits for beer. So, but we can say better for you. Right. Right. Um, And I think all those things that you mentioned, NA seltzers, they generally fall in that locale, you know, same play about a hundred calories, right. Crush worthy is one Oh five. So it's, it's right there. It's it's hitting the mark. I mean, that really is one of the biggest growth drivers for the business right now it's just um what's really interesting about it is that it's less about it's less we're not thinking in terms of tradition for this kind of beer right it's not about oh a um you know just to hop back to maybe Dortmund or whatever a Dortmund or lager is supposed to taste like this and uh an American IPA is supposed to taste like this this category that a lot of us are, um, especially those of us who have like packaged product out on shelves and stuff, it's not a, necessarily about what the flavor is, but it meets those other specs first, right? It's like, it's around hundred calories. It doesn't, well, if it's a seltzer, it would have the things like it doesn't have sugar and all that kind of stuff. And then you kind of figure out what the beer is after that, right? And that's totally what we did with Crushworthy. We're like, okay, we need a better for you beer. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but we know that it's going to be 100 calories. It's probably going to be about 4% and all that stuff. And then we went backwards and said, this is what the beer style is going to be. Anything but another low-cal IPA. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, I was, a couple of times now, you've mentioned the Dortmunger. Um, I have yet to have it, uh, which uh, goes kind of our conversation before we went on air about the lack of shelf uh, capacity or shelf uh-huh. quantity of Great Lakes Brewing on some of the local craft beer shelves in my area. Um, they're, they're not even worth a shout out because just... I would just say the city of Livonia has a craft beer problem because they put out kind of the, I say the splash craft beers that they're not, they're not doing for me. They're not doing a a good service to to putting out, you know, what's here in the Midwest and just kind of doing out what's, what's popular. Um, But as you said that it's, it's more pop. It's a, it's a huge draw out there. Um, Talk to us about Dortmunder. What, what, do you have to say to draw me towards this beer and why is it just <laughs> so damn popular? Yeah. You know, and the, we have, so we're kind of in an interesting point as a company or we have been for the past couple of years where like we had a ton of success. So we're top 25 where we were number 22 um, in the country for craft beer production by the 2020 numbers. We don't have the results from 2021 quite yet. And what got us there excuse me, where beers like Dortmunder, um, Christmas Ale, which I'm, I would think you guys probably have heard of and had before because it's, it's, a, it's a machine the last two months of the year. There you it's go, my man. 
those two beers, uh, some of the other big seasonals like the Conways that you got going, um, the Oktoberfest or the uh, you know flip side of the year when we're going from summer into fall. Those are like those are the big drivers that got us to where we are. And of course, for you guys up in Michigan, a lot of our um, states a little bit further out are huge Evan Fitzgerald fans. That's our lead beer. Yep. If it's goat porter and all that. But now, obviously, I mean, based on what I have, Tropicoastal, Hazy IPA, we're talking Crushworthy. We've kind of like, we're still keeping all that old, the, not old, but the classic stuff, right? Classic brands while um, mm-hmm. trying to drive forward into some new products just to, to like give other people what they want, what we haven't had before. But anyways, so Dorbunner for me is kind of like, as a Clevelander, it's very symbolic of those first 30 years, what got us here. So classic lager style. We have um, a proprietary lager yeast in house. So we're the only ones, you know, it's it's um, housed at Y East or, or one of the commercial banks. We're the only ones allowed to purchase it from them. Um, you know, robust ABV for a lager. It's like 5.8 ABV. Um, it's got some, we use all American ingredients here, but we use, uh, you know, we've got like Mount hood hops in there that approximates, um, some howler tile going on. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic beer. It's delicious. It's huge for us here in Cleveland, but, um, even before we kind of made this shift towards some of these newer brands while, while not leaving the old ones behind. Um, Dormunder has never been huge in, in Michigan. In fact, Dormunder is really only big for us in the home, in the home market in, um, really in Ohio and really just like Northeast Ohio. So fantastic beer. You should, uh, pop on down to Cleveland and have some on tap at the, at the brewery. Um, best way to have it. So, that, yeah, that, that may be a little bit of a difficult thing for me to set foot in the city of Cleveland as while we are in Michigan, I am a diehard Steelers fan. And oh, so me, nice. me, me being in <laughs> Cleveland um, is, uh, unless there's a game going on, might be a little bit of a sacrilege, Got some... uh, especially when it, it looks like you're about to, to get uh, Deshaun Watson as it is. Apparently so, that is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll yeah. see about that. But I'm I'm gonna pass it down to Dan because he's got some questions. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Browns. Rob, cover your ears for a few minutes. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty hardcore Browns fan myself. So how are you oh, feeling stop about this? It, Daniel, come I, on. I have been for a <laughs> I number knew of years. This, I knew I knew this was gonna come up. Yeah. Two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed. We'll just leave it like that. How are you feeling about that trade, Mike? I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, you know what? I haven't had a lot of time to process it. I was, I popped down by the gift shop and they're like Deshaun Watson. I was like, Oh, that happened. Okay. That's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting because he said he wasn't going to do it a couple of days ago. Um, But actually getting into the Browns, I want to talk about 73 Kolsch. Um, I love that you guys make a Joe Thomas beer. Um, I'm curious, how did this come about? Was he involved in it? Can you tell us the story about this beer? It's so fun. So the Iron Man. Yeah. He, (laughs) Um, so our, let's see, first, um, 27 years or so, Pat and Dan Conway, co-owners of the company, they're still, still around, still kicking today. still very much so still very involved in the company. They ran the thing themselves up until 2015 and in 2015, they hired a CEO, um, just cause the guys are getting a little older and stuff, kind of time for Pat to 
retire, even though we still saw him every day. Um, <laughs> this CEO just happened to be neighbors with Joe Thomas. <laughs> um, and so they got to talking, you know, over, uh, I don't know, whatever, talking over the white picket fence or I don't know if they were sharing a beer or something like that. They're like, wouldn't it be cool if we like collabed on a beer together? Um, and Joe, you know, Joe's a beer fan. Um, he was super pumped, but I don't think he didn't want to do it while he was still playing. So then once he retired in, what was that? I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. 17. Yeah. 17. Yeah. Cause this year's, I think our fifth year of the collab. Um, we got that cooking. Um, so it's totally collaborative with Joe. Um, he came down to the brew pub in Cleveland and, uh, our brewmaster and pub brewer um, bought like just a bunch of different classic examples of, of styles of beer, put them out on a table and they just started popping them and uh, tasting them all and saying, okay, I kind of like that. That's cool. And Joe really guided what he wanted that beer to taste like. So it's a Kolsch that traditional is not too far from Dortmund, actually Cologne, not too far from Dortmund. Um, you know, classic Kolsch, like a rice door for whatever gaffle is going to be very light, little minerality to it. Um, neither hop nor malt are too strong, but very crisp and refreshing beer, typically around maybe like a four and a half ish percent, but this is a Browns beer. <laughs> so it's 5.7%. Um, it's a little bit higher. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, but it's got all those notes that you would expect more or less in, in a Kolsch, um, there's a fun twist. There's a little bit of rye in there too. So the rye is going to give you a little bit of spice. Um, and it turned out just, just how he, the man himself wanted it to. And that's been a big, we have two beers that are kind of um, Cleveland area only. There's uh, one for the note. I'm wearing my guardians hat right now. Right. <laughs> so we have our rally drum uh, premium lager, which is um, great for the, the ballpark all summer. And then 73 Kolsch, which comes out right around when, um, you know, preseason stuff would start. So very fun project. Awesome. I'm glad he was involved with that too. You get a lot of people putting their names on beers and they have nothing to do with it. So it's always good to hear a story like that. And we Um, would, we wouldn't, we wouldn't take advantage of his image. He he comes down to the pub too. We do an event with him every year. So I got to MC a, a brewmaster's dinner where he was telling stories the whole time. That was, that was pretty fun. You know, you brought up the Guardians, too, and your beer with them. Do you plan on, or I should say, does the brewery plan on changing the name since the team name changed? I assume that had to do with it being the Indians previously. So the name, right. The name is an homage to, sure, yes, there's the Indians connection, but um, how familiar you guys are with the Cleveland baseball team, but there's a, a longtime super fan, John Adams, who he beats a drum. Um, when we're rallying, right, <laughs> uh, at any point during a game. So the name, and we actually we actually had Rally Drum before. We, were, we officially partnered with the Guardians. Um, we're the official craft beer of, of the team. Uh, Rally Drum may have existed before that partnership uh, began. So we, we obviously could not name the beer, you know, like Cleveland Indians beer or anything like that. So go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, we had already built up the name, you know, people know the name and sure. We're not, you know, we're not the, the, the Indians anymore, but 
everybody still loves John Adams. Um, and there wasn't really a need to change the name, you know what I mean? Just because the team name changed. Fair enough. Um, now I wanted to ask you about your barrel aging program. I know you have a lot of beers, yeah. but they all seem to be pub exclusive. I don't see too many that seem to be yeah. packaged or distributed. Can you talk to us about that and why it's only mm -hmm. a pub exclusive versus distributing? Sure. Yeah, we have a, you know, we have a scale thing. That's, that's a big thing for us. We grew up when we were growing up as a brewery, we grew a lot in the 20, like first, like kind of late nineties, but especially the first decade of two thousands. And it's amazing. It's only 10, 15 years ago. Right. But like the way that the industry operates today is so different <laughs> from then people want limited rare, any sort of flavor profile all across the board stuff, prize stuff, like, you know, certain breweries do a great job of tapping into barrel age programs, whether it's a, a founders or a new Holland or whatever. But when we built out our facility, that just wasn't a reality yet. Like it was like you had three or four core beers and you had a, a seasonal release. And that was the, that was the limited thing that people went crazy over. Right. And that was it. Like that's, that's how the industry kind of operated. So once we got to this, well, I guess the, the past decade, the 2010s, where a lot of those more niche things really blew up, we just didn't have the infrastructure to be able to support stuff like that. So, in fact, we only package two barrel-aged beers. We package the barrel-aged blackout stout, so base Russian imperial stout, and he's been doing four roses um, for the past couple of years. And we barrel-aged Christmas sale. Um, which of course blows everybody's brains just totally explodes and uses out of their ears and stuff for that one. Um, I, I love the blackout a little bit more, but barely age Christmas sale is also fantastic. And that one actually did see a little bit of distribution this past year. I'm not sure if it made it to Michigan though. Um, I know we did some distribution throughout Ohio. So, so there might be an opportunity in the future knowing that we made that decision I think we're kind of testing the waters. Maybe you never know. Um, we, you might see a little bit more of that in the future. Flip side too. There's always something about drawing people so down to the pub, right? We, we want to make to sure we're taking care of the restaurant and driving traffic there. Uh, so when you have a brewery only release, that's incentive for people to come on down to us in Cleveland and uh, try that stuff on tap. Awesome. Now I know Ken was telling you before the show that, you know, I'm a big Nosferatu fan. Right. Talk to us about why did that beer go away for so long and what made you decide to bring it back? So Nosferatu actually has not gone anywhere. And since you're talking Nosferatu, I don't know if this, this, this may or may not be a wise decision, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to switch to Imperial here <laughs> since I got to bring that, the average ABV back up a little bit. So <laughs> nice. um, Nosferatu actually never went away. Um, it has gone through some, name changes uh obviously it's always been called nosferatu but we called that a stock ale back in the day and then um more recently it's been an imperial red ale we switched uh last year so we had a specialty like rotating four pack series and it would be um this beer lake Erie monster nosferatu a couple other high gravity beers so knowing like, unfortunately we can only package so many beers, right? 
Um, and we knew that people really wanted just the world we live in, right? Uh, IPA is king. Um, and interestingly enough, despite what we were talking about earlier with the better for you stuff, like Crushworthy, we were also seeing imperial strength beers also take off, which totally doesn't make sense if you think about it from a certain perspective, right? Like both low calorie beers and imperial beers are taken off. But then again, people did not do a lot of driving over the past two years and all that kind of stuff. And we're all, we're all a little bit more selective with what we choose for specific occasions, right? So like, um, it's a day where it's 70 degrees out in March and I'm going to the park for a picnic or something like that. I might want to do crushworthy. And then for us in Cleveland, the next day it's 25 degrees and, uh, there's half of it snow on the ground. So I'm cuddling up and watching movies. I'm going to crack some Imperial IPAs. So we switched, we made this Imperial IPA series, which you can't really tell. You can kind of see it up there. Imperial IPA series. And, um, so it rotates every two months. Uh, Lake Erie Monster kicked it off. Chill Wave's out now. We have some fun new stuff coming up. But Nosferatu actually fits into the Imperial IPA series now. As our, It comes out when it usually does in September, leading up to Halloween. Um, yeah, so it's still around. Uh, it's possible, like, if you were... where are you, You're in Arizona, though, right? I'm in Arizona, yeah. So we actually don't even normally distribute in Arizona. Um, but we did a drop at total wine. Did you get that from total wine? I absolutely did. You caught it. Yeah, yeah, you did. Right. <laughs> of course. Yep. So the past couple of years around the holidays, we've done a drop at total wine. Um, cause you know, a lot of people have moved from Cleveland to either Arizona. We've also sent some to Florida. Uh, and that's why that crush worthy is still hanging around. It's got a really long code date. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Nosferatu, yeah, Nosferatu would not make it out there typically. Oh, that's too bad. So I'm glad you actually brought that up. See, I think you mentioned you distribute to 14 states plus DC. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel you're at the right number of states where you distribute? Do you feel you could expand further? Do you think it's too much? How do you feel as far as that goes currently? We are, we're in a sweet spot for us right now. Um, our facility, we could probably crank out 150,000 barrels, something like that if we are really humming the whole time, um, but probably not much more. So if we're going to open up new territories, like say um, we got a ton of requests for Florida, um, some adjacent States to where we distribute like Tennessee, maybe more into new England, um, New York city. We're in upstate New York, but we're not in the city. We're probably going to need, almost certainly going to need more capacity to do that kind of thing. So it's a delicate balancing act because opening an entire new brewery is also probably a bit much because that's a lot of investment, um, a lot of time, a lot of work, all that stuff. So feeling, I don't, I don't know exactly how we solve that capacity problem. Right. So yeah, right now um, we're actually, we're, we're in a good sweet spot. Um we actually, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, past couple of years, the whole industry, it's been tough for the industry, right? 2020 was a huge down year for everybody. Yeah. Um, so with the capacity we have right now, we're actually in a great spot. We've, we're, we're thankfully very much back on the upswing, uh, but not quite in need of, you know, a large amount of excess capacity yet. Awesome. All right, Nick, I'm going to pass it over to you. 
let's so let's talk about your winter maintenance shutdown for a second. Okay. Um, it's not. It's in, at least not, we we I haven't or any of us haven't really heard of breweries taking a, a break, so to speak, to do maintenance on the production line. Talk to us about that a little bit. Why do it? Because it's a we don't hear a lot about breweries doing anything like that. It's kind of like the auto plants taking a shutdown during right. you know during the <laughs> summer. Um, if I had to right. equate it to something, talk to talk to us about why Great Lakes does that and. And what are the benefits of of have of doing doing that? Yeah. So it's been shutdown season for us. Um, the first the first quarter of the year, basically, um, the brew pub itself. So for us, we have the production facility across the street. That's a seventy five barrel system. That's the big boy that brews everything that goes in bottles and cans and kegs and stuff. And then we have across the street, we have the brew pub, um, which is the seven barrel system does everything for, uh, I mean, we still, we still pump the production beer from across the street, but then, uh, you know, special one-off small batch type stuff gets brewed on that system that had the winter shut down in late January. That's simply because it's super dead. You know, it's like people aren't going out that much. They're still, they're getting off their dry January. They're, uh, still pretending to have, be committed to their New Year's resolutions, all that kind of stuff, right? So that's an ideal time for us to, to do the, the winter shutdown for the pub. It does so happen that we're also doing the shutdowns for the brewery itself. And that is that is a, a symptom of our very interestingly structured portfolio. So we have, if you kind of look at our overall layout, we've of course got the year-round beers, which are year-round, so we're always making them. Got the rotational imperial IPAs, but then the seasonal slot is something that's really interesting for us. Conway's huge, big beer for us. Um, we brew and package most of our Conway's starting in like like mid December, and we're done with it by I don't know end of January, something like that. Then. We don't have another big seasonal until Oktoberfest, which we're going to start ramping brewing that one up in whatever, May, June, um, lager it out, package it, release it later in the summer. So we've always had this really interesting slot. Um, ironically enough, in the time where probably most people are drinking beer, like <laughs> early summer leading up to the 4th of July, we have not had a strong seasonal beer in that slot. And so that's why we take this time of year. We actually just don't have as much going on right now. So we're able to, we're able to afford the time to shut down the facility, take everything apart, really break down, you know, the packaging lines and replace all the parts that need replaced and all that stuff you need to do that TLC you need to get the brewery to make sure it keeps putting out quality beer. That being said, we are hopeful. Obviously, we want to sell more beer, right? So we are hopeful that um, we have two two beers. One's out right now. It's a um, Hefeweizen with some lemon. It's got this adorable, uh, like, little lemon head guy sitting on a beach chair. He's got, like, little legs there dangling off the chair and stuff. It's kind of like a summer. It's not a shandy, but it's kind of like summer shandy inspired. So that's out right now for spring. Um, and then we have a Mexican lager with lime. So basically Corona, that's already got the lime squeezed in it. 
better, you know, better, but um, same kind of idea. And we're hoping that one of those two beers is, is going to kind of take that second quarter seasonal slot and really dominate. People love the Mexican lager around here. So I have, I have pretty high hopes that that's going to, as much as important as it is to do these brewery shutdowns, it'd be better to figure out times to fit it in because we're still making that much beer. That fair enough. I can't, you know, equating it to the autos, trying to figure out how to fix a part of the line that's putting out a truck or car, putting that, you know, putting that into beer in the beer world, you know, compared to the beer world. Yeah. You would, you would obviously want to try to spit more out, but you know, if it's not functioning properly, then then what's the point? So that makes no, that, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Uh, one thing that drew my attention was let's talk about, I'm not sure if, you, if it was brought on cause I did come on a little late. Let's talk about ranch water for a second. Oh yeah. We have not so when I think about great lakes brewing, I think I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Edmund Fitzgerald, everyone knows it. We all love it. We never, so whenever you hear great lakes, you, that's the beer you immediately think about. We don't. And so when I saw ranch water pop up and I'm like, okay, this is obviously a seltzer line. <laughs> Yeah. Talk about how that came to be. Is did you guys see a market for it in Ohio in in the greater Cleveland area? Obviously, I'm guessing yes because you you, you did it. And but sure. wh- why did the name Ranch Water even become the you know the sure. seltzer line for Great Lakes? And and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we knew you know just Crushworthy is, Crushworthy is better for you, but you know, that, that's the beer option. We know tons of people drink seltzer, right? I mean, White Claw and uh, Truly, uh, between those two, I mean, goodness, they're almost like 10% of the uh, the beer category um, since they dominate seltzer so much. And I think, I believe overall seltzer is about one-tenth uh, of all beer. And craft brewers have been getting into it over the past couple of years. You know, we're, we're certainly not unique in this regard. Um, we knew we wanted to get into the, the segment uh, but there are so many, you know, you can kind of call them like the, the white label kind of blank minimalist brands out there already. Right. Uh, that are just standard carbonated water, some fruit flavoring in there. That's it. So, and seltzer, the seltzer category kind of by nature is driven by, uh, innovation, trying new things the latest trend, the latest fashion, right? And not saying that in a shallow way or anything like that. So by the time we were starting to R&D our own seltzer, um, we had started to see some movement on a couple of these ranch water brands. And for the the listeners out there who don't know what a ranch water is, uh, ranch water is a classic uh, West Texas cocktail, tequila, Lime and Topo Chico, if you are being authentic, right? So a couple of those started to kind of pop up and they're starting to get attention from some of the larger brewers like uh, like Diageo that owns Guinness and so on. They made a significant investment in a, in a ranch water brand. So we said, okay, looks like it's starting to emerge as a trend. So we said, rather than just do a regular old seltzer, whatever, let's try the ranch water thing. Um, so we started brewing some pilot batches uh, 2020, summer 2020, 
really tough to do new brand launches during COVID, right? But somehow we've managed to pull this off uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, so we'd be brewing, and you know, in Ohio, I forget if uh, I think Michigan and Ohio have had kind of similar policies, but like we started getting some on-premise action back in like late May, and so people are coming to the pub, and we had ranch water up on on the board. And what do you guys think people thought when they saw ranch water? They thought Hidden Valley, right? That's, that's what <laughs> like, I thought until you explained what right. ranch water was. Right. It's totally. ranch and exactly. I would, I would not have guessed. So <laughs> we're all in the same boat, right? We're all Midwesterners. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> so that was hilarious. And then, of course, that, that was that education to, to bring it back towards the top of the program. That's where that education for our staff really kicks in and you can have that aha moment with the customer. So we are indeed some, some batches in the pub well-received once people understood that it was not dressing um, in carbonated water form. And uh, the following year we, you know, developing uh, especially with the supply chain constraints that we have it took us enough time to um develop the packaging for it, secure the packaging for it, right? All that kind of stuff. Alternative production space, seltzer is the kind of thing that uh, you have to have specialized equipment. So we partnered with uh, uh, another co-packer to, to make it for us. And then, yeah, that's it. It's been, um, we actually, we released it at an interesting time. We released the seltzer, which is, by the way, only um, Northeast Ohio. Sorry, it just hit all of Ohio um, starting in February. So uh, we released it in late October, not when we necessarily wanted to. We wanted to release it sooner, but we just couldn't get the packaging. Um, but we also wanted to make sure that we were out there as a ranch water early. Um, and what it's been so far is basically like a, kind of like a sampling opportunity. So that by the time summer hits and, you know, seltzer is a year-round thing, but just like with all beer, seltzer sees a big bump in the warmer months. So we're pretty hopeful that, uh, in, in Ohio, um, that's really going to take off as we get into the warmer weather. So we shall see. Is there a ranch water flavor that you would like to see? Um, cause if you look at all, like your white claws and your Trulies, you know, the, the big brands, well, 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 cause they are big brands they have like 15,000 of them between the two of them. I mean, they have right. the tea ones and they have, yeah. a, you mix the, the two citrus flavors together and then you have your lime, you know, is there a flavor that you'd like to see come out? I know it's, it's, in, it's, it's in its infant stages. Right. Is there one that you would like to see later down the road? Sure. Hmm. All right. Now we got to yeah. know what flavor it is. This is okay. So this, this is uh I'm not, I'm not typically a seltzer drinker. I also don't poo-poo seltzer or anything like that. When we were doing, um, one fun thing I'll do with staff is to, to help them understand why, you know, we always, we of course want our staff to say our options are the best and stuff like that. Well, I say like, okay, you can say that, but if you haven't tasted something else, then how authentic is that? So when I'm doing my trainings, um, I'll have our offering and then I'll bring in two or three others and we taste them side by side. And, and uh, I had white cloud mango. Oh, I was like, I was like, <laughs> Oh no, I like this. 
So I would like to see a mango. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't know what it is about the White Claw mango, but people go absolutely bonkers for it. Yep. So, you got uh, those yep. home run flavors, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm going to turn this over back to Mr. Ken. Ken? So we had actually a uh, question from our chat. If you are listening via the podcast or live, you can always join us, facebook.com forward slash better on draft or twitch.tv forward slash bod podcast. Um, somebody had an interesting question. Uh, I don't have a can in front of me, so I can't really see. Um, with the upcoming and current shortage on cans and your uh, broad range of beers that you have, are you guys noticing any type of issues that you're going to run into or potentially run into uh, with the canning of your beers? Sure. Yeah. You know, we've, we've navigated that pretty well so far. Um, Going forward. I mean, there's still enough uncertainty where we're, we're not entirely sure which way to feel, you know what I mean? Like we have good relationships with our can supplier. Um, we are working our butts off in marketing to make sure we're way, way ahead of any sort of, I mean, deadlines for having artwork in the packaging manufacturers is like seven months at this point. It's crazy. So we're going to make it work. Um, but believe it or not, there's also a glass shortage too. <laughs> um some of the major brewers actually have have had some lost sales over the past year because they they couldn't get glass. Now, a lot of the the talk at the beginning of COVID was aluminum, but glasses glass has been an issue too. We did a great job, um, especially in in twenty twenty and in, in, in er, into early twenty twenty one of pivoting where we needed to. Um, so, like the oatmeal stout uh, that comes out right around our Christmas sale does that was supposed to be a can in twenty twenty, couldn't get the cans, so design hustled real fast and got a bottle label lift up and we were able to bottle that the bottles are coming from all over the place. Like we've, we are regular suppliers just like any other suppliers. It's just unable to provide everything because of that massive shift that happened. Right. So yeah, we've been rolling with the punches. We're going to keep doing it for as long as we have to. Um, I think we're, we feel better now than we did probably at this point last year and definitely in 2020, but that's going to be a challenge for sure. It's going to, I don't think anybody in the industry has any sort of, you know, we're not thinking about a timeline at this point. We, We thought, I think we thought things would be okay by now. It's just like for the foreseeable future, this is just the reality. So just adds a little bit more excitement to the day to day. All right. As we go into the ending of the show, everyone's going to ask you a final question, and then we'll give you the opportunity to talk about what's upcoming for Great Lakes Brewing. Uh, so I'm going to start with Rob over here. Rob, what's your final question? All right. This is a pretty simple question, but it has a little bit of a lead up to it. Uh, but I've been wanting to ask this since I read about it like last week. Um, I read that last December, Great Lakes Brewing hosted a five-course die-hard-themed dinner, <laughs> uh, complete with Nakatomi oh, yeah. Tower sticky rice, right. German twins Dortmunder gold-infused currywurst, <laughs> and Yippie-Kaye Mother Clucker chicken spring roll. That's right. <laughs> uh, I just simply want to know, do you believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good answer. I, and I, I had the honor of 
I, I MC most of the, the, the dinners. I had the, that was a distinct honor to MC that dinner. And the chef, dude, the chef went all out, man. Like, I just loved it. Like, we were talking about, hey, we're going to do a holiday brewmaster's dinner. And we leave it up to the chef, to whatever theme he wants to do. And he just responded. It was like a four-word email or a couple-word email. It's like, how about Die Hard? And we're just like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. And he came out and he told the whole story. I was like, you're awesome, man. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, uh, it should have had like an appetizer, an appetizer of, oh, my God, the avocado is toast. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, that's mine. Nick, what's your final question? All right. Clearly, you must be a Cleveland Browns fan. 2022 season coming up. What's their record going to be? And remember, it's 17 games this year. Right. What's their record knowing what's transpired here in the last? What has transpired, hours? right? Yeah. What's the oh re- what's goodness. what's the Browns' record going to be? I think they'll get. I think they can be a twelve-win team. Then they're yeah. going to knock Pittsburgh out in the first round of the playoffs. That's right. Yeah. I mean, well, we won it, what? It, what did we win in twenty twenty? We what, were eleven and five, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. then eliminated Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Right there, I, I, I do not there. need to be reminded of that, Dan. At home, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, in all, I, I mean, mean, in all fairness, the Lions almost did beat Pittsburgh, but that was I mean, with the, almost. That was, out, it, that was without Big Ben. In all fairness, the Browns beat Cincinnati twice this year. Maybe they should have been in the Super Bowl, but we won't we go there. One game, we, we were one game. There. We were one game yep. behind the Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I could I could see twelve wins. I mean, he, just with Deshaun himself. Um, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that at all. <laughs> Sucks, but I gotta be I gotta be real with it. Dan, hey, you got Mitch, man. You got Mitch now. You're good. Yeah. Hey, he's a, he's a Cleveland boy, so yeah. He rained terror on. Uh, I went the high school I went to. Um, he was QB when I was when I was there for a little bit, and he's oh good. wow, yeah. All right, so Ken actually just passed me this question. He wanted me to ask you. He was scared to ask you himself. Um, but we noticed you have an alt beer that you do for a pub-only release. Uh, um, are you planning on ever packaging that, or can you send Ken a keg because he just wants to put in his kegerator? And <laughs> Here all that. we go. That would be a very special request for the pub brewer. Yeah. Uh, dude, I love an alt beer. Yeah. Um, it's been a couple. It's been a number of years since we've actually brewed that one. Unfortunately, though. Yeah, I already yeah. checked their website, Dan. They had three different ones, and the last one was brewed probably when Michael was a uh, a busser at Great Lakes Brewing. It's, it's, it's time, to, that's time to make it. Again. I think that's act- that's actually accurate right there. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, I, Ken. I honestly, I I'm I okay. feel the pain though. I yeah. I have I have the beers that I like. I if I if I don't go for a an alt beer if they don't have an alt beer, there's still English milds, ESBs, <sighs> uh, brown ales, ambers. Like there's there's plenty of These beers all, for me to drink. All the beers that I just wish. You know how it is when you're a brewer, like such when you're a packaging brewer like like us, you want to brew all those beers, but you can't because we like to stay in business. So. <laughs> you need to make ESB is a new IPA and just have like 20 I variants wish, of it out there, man. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I, we've, we've told the story a hundred times. I mean, old nation was probably 
we won't say will, yeah. but probably on the brink of going out of business and M43 right. saved them. And yep. you're not going to be able to sit here and tell me Travis Fritz is a terrible brewer. He's easily one of the best brewers in the country, but people don't drink, you know, the, the beers that he right. can run circles with. Uh, and I mean, he found M43, he made it and he made it amazing. And he continues to make all of those new England beers. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those I I'm I've come to terms with it, Daniel, that I am not <laughs> going to get those beers. Um real quick, my final question for you, I'm just going to steal the one that Nick usually asks. Um in your fridge right now, uh not Great Lakes Brewing, what can we find? Ooh. Well, let's see. Um I love our our buddies down I71 at Fatheads. Um Headhunter is one of the the goat IPAs out there. Um I have a wild ale from Columbus Brewing. Um, some buddies of ours as well. Uh, I think that's a, is that the peach sour? I think it might be a peach American wild. Uh, and then most importantly, it's, it's not in my fridge right now, but right outside my fridge, ready for a bottle share in a couple of weeks. I have the, I, I'm a Tampa Bay beer week boy. Uh, I go on vacation down to Tampa every March. And uh, I love going to Cycle uh, in downtown St. Pete. And I have Such their good beer. No, we have, they do the set, right? So they do a, a different release every day of the week for, for beer week. So, yes. Yeah, it's a bunch of, you know, one's got vanilla hazelnut, the other's got yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. The big one's Scoop, yeah. like the Neapolitan. Um, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Saturday. One sec, one sec. Uh oh. <laughs> I got my whale wall. <laughs> I popped I popped this with my brother. Uh oh you guys can't okay there. You yeah, go. I can't see it. Oh yeah. Fest, the festival beer. That's the uh the old scoop. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So a lovely a lovely place, St. Petersburg, Florida is. Well, that's, that's all I got. That's going to do it for the Better on Draft podcast. Great Lakes Brewing, you guys are out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, where can they find you? What do you got upcoming? Um, where can they find you online? Yep, greatlakesbrewing.com. Uh, we are on all the socials. Uh, GLBC underscore Cleveland for both Twitter and Instagram. And I believe we are on, I, I know we're on TikTok, and I believe it's the same handle. We, of course, have a Facebook page, too. Um, fun stuff coming up. Weather's breaking, so the uh, that lemon half we were talking about before is coming out. Uh, we have a variety pack of Crushworthy coming out in May. So stay tuned for that. That's all market, so you guys will have it. That's got, um, like, Crushworthy, watermelon, grapefruit, and lemon-lime. There's a new Imperial IPA in the series coming out in june um that's an imperial grapefruit with a little bit of like ginger and stuff in there too so yeah it's still cooking up a lot of fun new stuff coming up for the rest of the year all right thank you so much for joining us i appreciate it if you're listening via the podcast of course you can watch us live 7 p.m eastern better on draft.tv facebook.com forward slash better on draft you can actually check out the youtube video and see michael uh, lose internet here uh, That's right. over at youtube.com forward slash better on draft. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better on draft. Have a good night. Nice. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>